Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny. Hello and welcome to View from the Ninian. Uh, there's been a reshuffle in the uh, the houses of Ninian Munt. Uh, I am your new overlord, uh, Ryan March. Um, you may have heard me on Alternative Wales, the podcast. I've been on this podcast before, but as a guest. But in the absence of Ben James, uh, the wonderful Ben James, I've been asked to fill his uh, admittedly large shoes um and i will try and do that to the best of my abilities um i've got my handy right hand men with me as usual ben price is on view from the ninian this week ben how are you i'm full of cold and concerned you say you've sort of stepped in but we can clearly see ben is behind you tied up this is a hostile takeover yeah (laughs) yeah my uh Welsh football media empire begins here. Ellis James yeah. is currently shitting himself somewhere shitting in himself. East London. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, my good old neighbourino, Tom Phillips. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I, I'm not, I think it might be a temporary reshuffle with Ninian Munt as your, you know, <laughs> yeah. your, your, your intro. It's a, it's a that, strong yeah, start. Yeah, that was off, off the cuff and really bad. So I apologise. Um, for that early doors. Um, and I would say it's only going to be up from here, but based on um, the game on the weekend, I can't guarantee that um, at all. Cardiff 2, Norwich 3. Um, wasn't uh, much to write home about from a Cardiff perspective. Uh, ben, sloppy start, 1-0 down. Um, it sort of felt like sometimes... We go into matches against sides who are in um, bad form. I think you said earlier that you could just copy and paste the talk of the QPR match, and it did sort of feel like we started really sluggishly against a side I think we probably all thought we'd be beating. Um, And going down 1-0 early uh, didn't really do much for anyone, did it? No, it's sort of one of those games we we all... I I knew we were in trouble because we all predicted wins last week. I think that's mm. where sort of the complacency started. So I think we've all got to hold our hands up and say, look, this is on us as much as the players. Um, but yeah, it just, like I said, it felt a lot like the QPR game of a game. Like the, I think the players thought they'd already got the three points in the back and they were ready to go 
on holiday and sort of away with the international break and stuff. And it just felt very much, I've never seen a game of football look more like an end of term sort mm. of Friday afternoon before. Um, other than the sort of the half an hour we turned it around, it was just really poor. It was just not the intensity and sort of taking it to the, taking it to Norwich like we wanted. And yeah, it's just, like I said, going one nil down sort of show summarised how poor of a start it was. And it was a sloppy goal to concede, wasn't it, Tom? Uh, you know, from a set piece, uh, man unmarked at the back post. Um, just the sort of goal that we really do need to be um, sort of getting out of our system sooner rather than later, always going to keep costing us. Yeah, it does feel like that. Like, it's kind of uncharacteristic for us this season. Um, you know, everyone kind of rushes that front post and, the, you know, the nice little flick on and there's no one anywhere near him at the back post. You know, McGuinness is completely static. He's still static after the ball's at the back of the net. He's just <laughs> frozen as if he doesn't have a clue what's just gone on. And it was a little bit worrying because you kind of forgive it in the first, like, seven or eight games of the season, but they've played a lot together now. You know, we've been consistent with the lineups. We uh, the lineups we've been putting out there. There's kind of no excuse for it, and it is a little bit worrying. I think the only thing that kind of works in our favour with this now is that it is an international break, hmm. so we can iron this out straight away and make sure it doesn't happen again. And you listen to Bullet's comments as well. I don't think you let it happen again because he was pretty miffed after that game, and rightly so because you know our stadium has been a bit of a fortress for us, uh, for us this season. And we can really do without moments like that because it was a really, really sloppy start against a mm. team who should be absolutely offering nothing. In that. Well, it did largely offer nothing. We just gave them opportunities because we were just poor getting out of the blocks. Yeah. Um, we had gone three games in a row without conceding. Uh, there was obviously the change to the back four with Perry and G coming out. Perry and G obviously being a massively important part of the team this season. And, uh, you know, he's starting to get the the credit he deserves. I think you also got to give credit to Norwich. It, see, it does seem like they knew what they were doing with it and they absolutely um, cut us open. Um, but, you know, we mentioned it's the sort of goal we may have conceded last season. And albeit, you know, when uh, the final whistle blows, this isn't really the case. But if this was last season, we don't come back two goals. So, Ben, albeit the final result was poor. The fact we stayed, you know, we got back in the game and went ahead is encouraging and does show that we are turning a corner. Yeah, they were clinical taking goals as well. I think we like we got back into it and sort of played how we expected, took the game to Norwich a bit and they looked really shaky at the back and I think that sort of, I don't think that helped us a bit. They looked so shaky. I think the players got a bit too confident. Oh, we're definitely going to score. We're definitely going to get a few out of this. Um, and yeah, we got back into the game and then Sort of second half from the second half, then it just all went downhill. But mm. to come back into it and sort of the clinical chance nature of the goals, it was really encouraging. Yeah, that that first goal, the link up between Callum Robertson and Josh Bowler, um, really encouraging. Obviously, Bowler coming back in in recent weeks. Robinson starting to get a run in the team. Are we starting to see the best of both of them now, Tom? I, I think so. You know, it's such a stop start start of the season for Bowler. This run of games for him has really been beneficial and he is clearly a talent. I think, is it Damari Mitchell who mentioned he's one of the best players he's played with or something on Twitter this week or one of the most promising players he played with? Yeah. And you can see why. Because his feet mm. are so quick. You know, he gets into some brilliant positions, cutting the ball back, but he's also there at the back post to put goals away as well. He's just very calm in those situations. And 
you know, we know that Robbo's got quality. He was scoring goals for us last season when fuck all else was happening for us across the pitch. So if those two can start to link up and if Callum Grant can learn to shoot, yeah. then, you know, I think we're a really, really dangerous side. And I think that's the most frustrating part of this game. As much as those two goals were clinical, that's mm. where it kind of ended. I thought, I think we left chances out there. I think yeah. it's a game where we should have killed them off. I think we'll probably get onto that tactical-wise later. But, like, we, we should have put them to the sword and we missed out. But when you've got someone like Bola, Robbo, and you've got those attacking options, mm. when you've got a a team who are in such a state as Norwich were, you know, when you go goal up and then you concede two, we should be killing them off. Their confidence yeah. has been shot. They've got a manager who wasn't moving out of his seat. He looked completely mm. crestfallen. He looked like he was done and dusted and this was the final straw for him. And then we give him a lifeline. So, yeah, definitely positives there because some quality there, but there's still that little bit more to come going forward. If you listen yeah. back to the Norwich commentary, um, I li- listened back to sort of what their sort of radio presenter was saying about them. Like when, when it's 2-1 down, they're all, they literally talk about who's the next Norwich manager because they're like, well, he's not surviving this. Who's the next man coming in and going to take over because it's a big job for someone. That sort of shows the state of where Norwich were and that's probably where the frustration comes in is like they were there to sort of have a few put past them. And it wasn't like they, their comeback was great. We'll come to it in a minute. But yeah, it was just, it just stunk of just not arrogance, but I think like, well, it said laziness and sort of just switching off, like feeling as if like job's done, two one up, jobs are good, we can switch off. And you can't do that in this league. It's, I think it going on for the rest of the season, this could be a valuable sort of lesson for us and sort of a bit of a reminder because things have gone really well the last few weeks. Like, you're saying right? Was it three games before that without conceding? Yeah, picking up a lot of points. It's been it's like between the last international break and going into this one, it's been like a decent run up until the Norwich game. So yeah, perhaps it's a good little wake up call and probably a slap in the face a couple of the players needed. Yeah, we'll get on to sort of the nature of the defeat and what it means uh, a bit later. Um, but obviously, sort of take the positives. I think the positives all came in that six minutes between. Um, the two goals. Uh, obviously, I got it. I think Callum Robinson. I you know we just sort of gone over to sort of pick Bowler out. He doesn't even look up, and he, he sort of knows where Bowler is. And I think that's really encouraging, and and something that will only improve. Um, second goal came from a really sort of nice first time cross from um, Jamalu Collins. Uh, Tom, just a nice goal, and nice to see Robinson get back on the on the score sheet. And at that point, when you score to go ahead just before half time, you know you. I thought I was like, well, we're done, and we we've mentioned that already. Norwich thought they were done, um, up until the eighty second minute, where um, we sort of let them back into the game. And at that point, they had their tails back up, and there was probably only going to be one winner from that point onwards. Yeah, like. The goal was great. I think like Robbo started in the middle of you know in the middle of midfield as well, and then follows up into the box. I think it's a, it's a lovely. You got you got Grant directly running at defenders again, yeah. laying it off to Collins, and it's such a lovely little dink. Uh, it's it's a really really high quality ball into the box, and it just looks so easy. It's a it's a it's a simple finish, but it's great from Robertson to get in that position. You know, we haven't had players getting in those positions in past seasons, so it was a lovely goal. And you say about like the kind of we thought it was done and dusted. I genuinely did, and I'm not normally this type of fan. Mm. You know, I'm normally thinking I oh, was going to throw it away, but I was sat there thinking, "This is in the bag now." I think I think I texted our, our group chat saying, "Fuck me, we're great." And I, mm, yeah. So I, I again, I, like, like you said earlier on, 
I'll take some responsibility for that. That is reckless. <laughs> that is daft texting. And, it sh- you know, I should be punished for it. So I will write the letter to Bullet. But I think you said it's a wake-up call for players. I think it's a wake-up call for fans as well that we're not a finished article yet. Mm. You know, there's game management problems that we haven't quite ironed out. There's plenty of, you know, seeds of positivity there. But, you know, that's a game we should be winning. And we, we did let it slip. But, you know, I, I think you look at the start of the season, where we are on the table, take it as like a, a, um, a block of games. I think, you know, you could, it's, it's only positive for us at the moment and it's probably a wake-up call that we, we, we probably will benefit from. I'm just looking yeah. back at the chat now and I love it. Nothing sums up football better than this. Uh, quarter to four, Tom Phillips. Fuck me, we're class. <laughs> quarter past seven, awful. Very flat, Tom Phillips. <laughs> ah, I meant a late, fans. A late second uh, text, Tom. Oh, Almost two, yeah. two and a half hours after the after full time. I really that, didn't I shake it off. Five. It was about five. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much straight after full time gone. All oh, right, so you've, you said about seven. Ignore me. No, ignore me. Um, the great Carlin Grant conundrum. Um, we mentioned his good work for the second goal. Um, and again, he really got himself in a in a in a nice position just after halftime that really would have put the game to bed. But he just it just isn't going his way at the moment, is it, Ben? Um, nothing seems to be falling for him. And I I hope it isn't a case of where we keep saying all he needs is a goal, all he needs is a goal. But if if he can sort of find some sort of goal scoring form, then you know, we are going to be a really dangerous side, aren't we? Yeah, but the more it's going, and I like no one's bigged up Grant more than me. If he's nothing like going forward, some of the best players being through him, I think he's been a really solid addition. But against Norwich, I had horrific flashbacks. I'm going to call him Max Waters syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it, I was that was uh, the name I, I had in my mind as well. But your confidence is so low. He went from like an absolute baller until he got into that 18 yard box, and he went as just it's if rigor mortis set in, he became very stiff mm. and just turned into like your normal five aside footballer with the ball sort of gets you know, when you're playing five aside, the ball gets trapped under your feet and you can't do anything with it. Yep, it just kept on happening to him every time he got in that box. It's a bloke that's full of confidence with the simple passes and sort of inter- interlinking with other players. He's looking brilliant, he's looking sharp once he gets on the ball. It's really encouraging. But the second he crosses that white line into the box, I think if you put a lump of coal between his arse cheeks, he'd shit a diamond. That's how tense he's getting in front of goal at the moment. Yeah, it is frustrating, isn't it, Tom? Because I think as a difference to Max Waters, he's clearly a level above Max Waters. Um, but he's obviously had a rough time at um, at West Brom over the last couple of seasons, but he's getting plenty of minutes now. Surely it's a matter of time. What are you, what are you thinking on the, on the Carl and Grant conundrum? I think one thing that benefits him is he offers more than Waters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, yeah. that direct run-in opens up other people. If he's not creating himself, he's putting people in positions where they can create. So I think even if he doesn't find his shooting boots, he offers enough to be on that field anyway. Mm. Um, but it just feels like it, it's a difference between a comfortable mid-table finish and pushing for the playoffs if he does start to put some of those chances away. And I think that's why it's a little bit frustrating. But it, it does feel like a matter of time because... He's done it before. I think if it was a player that, you know, a young player and you're not sure has he got goals in the locker, 
he's not. He, he scored plenty. He's scored a hat full of goals to get a big transfer fee in the in the past. So it's in there somewhere. And I think if we carry on playing the style we're playing at the moment, those chances will come. But you know, it is just frustrating because it, it feels the moment that we wouldn't be ninth. We'd be, be like fifth. You know, mm. if if he'd scored a couple of goals and like like. We would have won this game if the ball didn't get caught up in his feet. It's great, great positional awareness, great space that he got into. But then he's one on one with the keeper, and he never looked like scoring because mm. the ball was pretty much behind him by the time he got the shot away. It was a good save, but you know, someone in better form in front of goal puts that away. I thought you were going to curse him then and say the dreaded words. He'll come good. Oh, the Josh Murphy uh, curse. Yeah, there's a Horf curse. All of that. It's all just sort of. It feels like it's encapsulating into Carlin Grant at the moment. I really don't want it to because he's too good of a player to be sort of labelled with that. Yeah. But yeah, right now, the, the similarity... Actually, it's not compared to Murphy. I think like you compare it to Murphy as a whole, the work rate wasn't there from those yeah. players. At least, like like you said, Grant's offering mm-hmm. more. He's just not bagging, is he? Yeah. Do, do you think the way to maybe fix it and is taking him out of the team for a little bit or or and sort of giving him the sort of the bullet treatment that sort of Robinson and Colwell has responded to where he's almost sort of, you know, said, you know, you've got to wait your t- turn, but you've got to prove me, you know, prove it to me that you're good enough when you do get your chance. Do you think maybe that might be an option, you know, post-international break where you take him out of the firing line for a couple of games and then let him sort of prove himself to get back into the team? What do you like I think about? if Callum O'Dowder was fit, He'd be back. I think he'd have been out of the mm. team a bit more. He'd have been rotated a bit more and given that to come off the bench and the fresh legs. But I think purely because he's not there, Tanner's definitely not ready to start. Colwell, I don't see, I really don't rate Colwell out wide. That's not where you get the best no. out of him. Um, so right now, he's our only real option at left wing, isn't he? There's no one else really you can see who would slot in there. Maybe Robinson, but he, again, he's another player that's better in the 10. So right now, I think he's got to play purely because. We're a lot, even without him scoring, we're a lot weaker with the other players playing in that position. Mm. Do you feel the same, Tom? Yeah, I think so. I think we saw later in the game when you, you bring Tanner and Colwell on, you lose someone else. And it's too much of a risk to have players like that in the starting lineup at the moment. I think Ben's hit the nail on the head with with Odauda. I think it's a game like that you start to realise how much you're missing him because there's a reason why he's the first name on the team sheet for large periods last year because. You know he's versatile. He can play at the back. He can play up top. But he's just, he's just a steady player that also creates chances as well. And I think now we've got the likes of Robbo Bowler firing a little bit. Odaudo could be even more of a weapon than he was last year. Getting to the byline, cutting the ball back. So yeah, I think, you know, I think Grant would have come out of the team earlier. But I don't think we could afford to do another moment because I think he is doing enough elsewhere on the yeah. pitch to to keep that start in place. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I feel like the game shifted a bit then, not long after, with the triple sub. Seems to be the uh, the turning point. Uh, Ollie Tanner, Ruben Colwell and Ryan Wintle came on for Joe Rowles, Callum Robinson and Josh Bowler. Um, Wintle for Rowles felt like maybe a good idea at the time. Um, Colwell and Tanner did feel like a strange sub in the circumstances. Sort of sub you, you'd make if we were chasing the game rather than being 2-1 up, do you think it was a bit naive of Errol to make those changes, Ben? I don't know. Because I can see both sides of why he did it and why you think it's naive. 
it's a difficult one because if if you're two one up against a team like Norwich and that up until those changes, nothing really happened in that game. It was a drab affair. You put both, but you want to freshen things up. You're bringing young legs on. If that comes off and we sort of score three or four, then or like take it to three or four couple of goals more, that looks like a great sub. Mm. And I can totally see sort of like wanting to put that young injection to the game, but. When it doesn't come off, it does look a bit like, oh, well, you're just bringing the youth players on. You didn't take the game as seriously as you needed to. And this, when this sort of thing happens, it looks, it does look a lot worse than if it sort of came off. Because no one really questioned that Tanner coming on against the Jacks, for example, and look what he did there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a similar thing, <laughs> I think. We just, it was a dead, bit of a dead, dead rubber game. Admittedly, at that time, it was a draw, not we weren't winning. But yeah, they the players have the potential to create magic and make something special happen. But when Siopis isn't exactly having the best game in midfield, um, Rawls, I thought Rawls was booked. It turns out it wasn't. And I have someone, I can't remember who on Twitter. I said he, I said he was booked, but it was Carlon Grant and I was wrong. Really? So, yeah. He was booked, doesn't he? For that, no, for that challenge, that was a dive. That's what I thought, but it was Grant kicking the ball away. Fair. So I thought that. So that's what, at the time I thought Wintle coming on rules. That's a long time for Rawls to be on a booking because we all know he likes a tackle that results in a yellow card. I think he's inherited that from Peter Whittingham. It's the best part of Wit's legacy. I think that lives on is <laughs> the silly tackle. So yeah, I can see all of those subs sort of like you can see why he's done them. They just didn't work. I think he came out and said as much in his press conference as well. Yeah. He's saying look, brought players on to make a difference. They made a difference, but in the wrong way. Yeah, sort of. I feel like it harks back to the Ipswich game earlier in the season, where maybe we didn't need to make as many changes as we did at the time. But but then you look back at other moments in the season where the subs have made all the difference. So it's it's a gamble, isn't it, when when you bring on players like Colwell or Tanner because they they're like moments players, aren't they? And they they have magic, and sometimes you can't rely on them to do it every time they come on. That's just unrealistic. And, in this case, it, it wasn't to be. Um, the first goal of the comeback, so, so Norwich's second, uh, goes down as a Ryan Wintle own goal. It's really annoying because it feels like one of those goals that that is the sort of goal that sparks a comeback, where it just goes in off anyone and, uh, you know, it gives you a bit of hope. Um, and it's just frustrating. I don't think, you know, no, I don't think Wintle could have done much about it because it just sort of bounces off him in the wrong way and it comes at him quite fast. Um, Tom, what did you make of the whole second goal uh, for Norwich? I think you've kind of got to look at Almerick a bit because Mm. I think the way he dives out, it kind of then unnerves the defensive players then because if he's diving diving forward like that, you you either expect him to get it well, you just expect him to get it. And at the moment, he doesn't. And it, it's going to ricochet off someone. So I'm, I I think he might be a little bit at fault. I, he, it's a bit unfortunate. He's not far off it. But I think you're right in terms of the one that sparks a comeback. I feel like I've seen that a hundred times before at CCS where it's gone yeah. in off someone. They pick the ball up instantly from the back, run back to the centre circle, and you're going, ah, oh, here we go. And it was already a fairly subdued atmosphere there. And there was there was a nervousness around mm. that home, and there's no doubt about it. And I think you know it, it galvanised some of the Norwich fans, even the ones who were sitting down started standing up. You know, so it, it was just one of those moments where you're thinking, "Ah, oh, here we go again." But 
we just looked a little bit, you know, at sea whenever we were in our own 18-yard box, which hasn't really been like us, whether it was set piece or whether the ball was out wide. It kind of looked for the first time that people didn't really know what they were doing. They didn't know who it meant to be picking up. And yeah. I think that was the big worry about it because I think it was an avoidable goal. Yeah, it did feel like that. Um, and, you know, it did spark a second. I think it was, um, is it John Jonathan Rowe, um, who absolutely leaves McGuinness for dead um, in the box and sort of puts him on his arse. Again, questions over, does Anik do enough? Ben, what do you, what do you think of, of, of the winner? Because, um, you know, he sort of parries it out. Should he be putting that around the post? Should he be holding on to it? What do you think? I think it's a comfortable height. You should be catching it. It's, um, mm. yeah, I think that Almut Anik, or however you say his name, because it's, it's like changed this last few weeks, isn't it? The pronunciation <laughs> of it. Um, but yeah, he's he's been brilliant for us this season. But this is the worst game he's had this season. I think he's probably at fault for the, the, those last two goals. I think, like what Tom said, I think it's a fair point. And I think he's definitely a fault for the third. Um, he just, even as a goalkeeper, like everyone plays. Like anyone that's been in goal, you know you don't sort of bat it into like the danger area. Um, Adam Eder, who is a FIFA 21 wonder kid, yeah, sort of popped up <laughs> and scored, taps it in. It's an easy, it's a comfortable finish. But yeah, it's one of those ones that Anik will know. He'll look back and say, no, he should have caught that. And sort of held on to it. The coach will sort of feedback at that as well. But you can't hold too much against him. But if I'm him, I'd be worried about what happens next because you've got a tough little run. And you've got, let's not forget, we've got a very experienced keeper that's expecting to play from Arsenal, waiting for him to make a mistake. And he's made two there that's cost us a game. It wouldn't surprise me now if there is a change of keeper. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Do you share that view, Tom? Do you think a change of keeper might be on the cards? It feels really fickle from what we were saying a few weeks ago. But I think there's been a few rugby moments recently around distribution as well. I think there's been the odd kind of fluffed pass I think he did a couple in this game where, you know, he, he's shanked it into touch and stuff as well. And it'd be interesting now, you know, if Runnison gets a game for Iceland, plays well in the international break, then suddenly momentum changes. Because uh, I, I was sat there, I could, couldn't make it down for the game, but I watched it at home and they were showing the players walking through the tunnel. Runnison looked fuming, just mm. walking through. He was the only one who wasn't smiling. He's not happy to be on that bench. So he will be absolutely ready if they call upon him to play. And, you know, he hasn't covered himself in glory in some of the cup games either, but very few of our players did. So yeah. I really wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm not at the stage where I'm calling for it. It definitely needs to happen. But I don't, like, you, you've seen the treatment for Robbo and Colwell working. There's no reason why that can't apply to a keeper. I think sometimes we're a little bit too slow to, like, change keepers. They know what they're doing. They're practising it day in, day out. I, th I don't think they need to be as match fit as some other positions, to be honest with you. So, um yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change post-international break, that's for sure. It does feel like one of Bullet's strengths, and I think it probably is a strength, is he's quite ruthless, isn't he? He doesn't um he doesn't uh have favorites really. He doesn't, you know, give people too much grace if there's mistakes. And and like you said, I think I think keepers maybe get away with some stuff that outfield players wouldn't get away with in terms of being dropped because is a bit of an unwritten rule, and I don't think we should go full Arteta and, and start talking about, you know, trans, uh, sub substituting keepers during the game. But why not? You know, we we have a squad for a reason, um, 
and if we can get the best out of Runnison, um, you know, and maybe if Runnison was in goal, it's three points to us uh, on Saturday. So, you know, it's fine margins, isn't it? And like you said, Anik has been great this season, you know, it's, uh, exceeded expectations. But, um, you know, if, if we want to be in and around the playoffs, then we, we then we must we must demand better. And I think Errol Bullock will demand better um, because he seems like that kind of guy, um, as we've seen with other players in the team. Um, overall, a disappointing day. We, we spoke about the flatness of the crowd a lot. Ben, can you put your finger on it? Because we have been, we've had a really good run of form. We're in and around the playoffs. There should be a bit of a buzz around the club. But all the reports from Saturday are that the crowd was just just felt a bit a bit damp. What can I, you put your finger on it? I think it's because they were damp. I think that's part of the issue. <laughs> the, we- the weather's taken a turn. It's shitty. It's cold. It's. It, I think a lot of the atmosphere then. It's. It, there's not many times I've come away from a game on a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff on a, in the middle of November, and gone, "Fuck me, what an atmosphere that was." I feel like it's just the way this time of year is. I think like it's just, yeah, it's just one of those, and everyone sort of like me, full of cold. It's just a shitty combination, not a great game. It's just one of those. I, I'm not too concerned about. It. I can see what you mean, like people expect it to be bouncing. It should be a lot more. This should be that. But I think a lot of it was the game was a flat game. There's a Norwich atmospheres are created when like both sets of fans are up for it. Yeah, I can't really think of too many games where you're playing a team that's sort of bereft of confidence and come away from that going, "Cool, that was a feisty, incredible atmosphere." It's normally either because you batter them and it's just ninety minutes of taking the piss, mm. or it is a lot of games like that. I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary with that sort of atmosphere there on on Saturday. Wet, cold, grey, disappointing game, under underwhelming game. Just yeah, I wouldn't be standing up singing too much either. Yeah, and November's an awkward time. You know, we're just about to hit another international break. Uh, you know, the new season novelty has worn off. You know, we're we're very much in mid-season now, aren't we? Which is where it does get a little bit um unexciting, maybe not boring, but not as exciting where you just regular games and the championship is it's it's relentless, isn't it? And and from a fan perspective, to get yourself up for 23 games at home. Um, you know, it is it is hard. So, you know, I I don't think um and and the, and the team clearly didn't do enough to get people off their seats, especially at the you know the start of the game. So, so yeah, I I think we've just put it down to a a bad day at the office for everyone. Um, although it is another um three points dropped um from a winning position, Tom, third time this season, off the top of my head. Leeds, Ipswich, and um, and now Norwich. Uh, if Less, we were uh, nine points better off, everyone, we'd be third. So, um, how does that make you feel, Tom? Is it a bit frustrating that we're still, you know, throwing things away? Yeah, tad. But I think that the fact that we're even having that conversation is a positive. I think if you'd asked me this question 30 minutes after the game on Saturday, I'd give you a very different answer. Mm. But I think after having a few days to think about it, you know, like we we would have taken where we are in the league now. We would have taken the season we've had with the performances we've had so far. There's there's so much to kind of look back on and think. You know that that is so much better than last season. That 
I'm not going to get too too worked up about it. And I think it'll level out. I think there'll be games this year now where we come back from one nil down and win two one, and not could you know not concede those two late goals. So I'm going to stay in the positive camp at the moment because I you know I'm enjoying watching Cardiff again. Um, we've got some exciting players. We're scoring some decent goals. Um, and we're not in a relegation dogfight. You know, you're looking how miserable it is for the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, you know, Rotherham, a QPR. Like, God, I'd hate to be a QPR fan right now. Like, Ocean General. Oh, yeah, that's true. It is. I do, I do hate QPR. But um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, things are looking much better. So I'm, I'm going to cling to that. Um, but like, like I think you've brought up in the past, you can't have things going well for Wales and Cardiff at the same time. So yeah. perhaps it's a good thing for the international team it's, that Cardiff have played poorly going into the break. So yeah, I'm clinging to that as well. Good yeah, omen. Exactly. And I think we'll we'll talk about sort of where we're at now at the at the international break in a bit. But Ben, to lose a game like this is probably good timing because we don't have to go into a game on Tuesday off the back of a bad result, and that's when you almost hit a bad run of form. The boys can sort of take a step back, have a bit of time, reset themselves, and go again. It is going to be a tough run of fixtures, which we will also talk about shortly. But it does feel like a bit like that Watford game before the last international break, where it was like, right, let's draw a line under it and we'll come back after the international break and we'll forget this ever happened. Yeah, um, it's you're right. I don't think it's one of those ones where after some defeats, the fit next, all you want is the next game to come along and sort of get, mm. get, get over it. This sort of game didn't feel like that. So this sort of felt like, right reset refocus go again sort of thing so yeah the break you're definitely right there is it's come at the right time i think it's fallen perfectly for us to sort of move on get on the training ground work on a couple of bits and yeah players players either go away with national duty or have a couple of days away go into blackpool or wherever they go in <laughs> yeah uh see office in blackpool i feel like that's something we need to see <laughs> Well, after after that video of him there, <laughs> I think just giving him like three Tango Ice Blasts and watching yeah. him go around Blackpool Funfair would be <laughs> the best bit of content anyone could ever put out ever. He's the happiest man in the world, that man. Fair. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Played to him. Brought me a lot of joy watching that video. Broke my heart. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, let's, uh, let's go to Twitter and, and see what the people are saying. Uh, because if, if nothing, this pod is the people's pod. Um, ben, James, you can use that when you're back if you want. Um, Bren, uh, Brandon Arthur um, says, thoughts on the Norwich starting lineup not having any players with single-digit numbers. That is a travesty. It is criminal. Uh, Tom, do you share my disgust? I hadn't seen that. I didn't notice it, and it's really spoiled my night. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a purist. If I could have numbers one to eleven on the field, I'd have one to eleven. So yeah, that, that has that has riled me up actually. Ben, what are your thoughts on squad number gate? Um, yeah, it, it's poor and it it does annoy me. Um, and I don't know why, but it annoys me that like we have we sold Allsop after we registered Runnison. So like, right, yeah. Runnison can't take, so we haven't got a number one. 
that's annoying me for ages. Perry and Stein is number 38 for as long as he has. I'm sure there's an emotional reason for it, but fuck, it annoys me. I don't know why. It's the only thing that's sort of like where you get there that it sort of winds me up. It's pathetic, isn't it? But it's weird. we are pathetic people when it comes to stuff like this. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of referee talk, uh, Chris Peplow says, uh, women, eh? Uh, and a winky face, I think he does mean that in jest. Uh, he says, in seriousness, um, I am impressed she has already hit the very low quality of refereeing in the English pyramid already. It needs a complete overhaul. Uh, Lauren says, seriously, how bad were the officials? They only had to get it right and be consistent. How hard is it? It is becoming a joke and ruining football. Um, the referee. It's difficult because she was a woman so for some reason people tend to direct their disgust about her performance after the fact she is a woman which very much isn't the case ben your thoughts and feelings on the whole referee um conversation i was about to like out of context say something i just waiting for it to get clipped up so i'm not going to do it and make the obvious joke but i'll be honest i don't think she was that she she the penalty for robo is a certain penalty but given the state of the referee in this league's had, she's not the worst we've had this year. I feel mm. like it's a lot of it's been blown up because like, and there has been a lot of like on Twitter, sadly, and it is always Twitter. It's never on Instagram. It's always Twitter just going, oh, blah, 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 get back in the kitchen, all of that shite. Um, she was poor, but she was no worse. I think Bobby Madley, the dog botherer, I think he's a lot worse. Um, there's been a lot worse calls this season. They'll be worse to come. Mm. Um Pep's right. It should the the whole system needs looking at because EFL officials aren't cut for it. It's just not right at the moment the way it's going. But yeah, she wasn't the best. She wasn't the worst. It's just I think I've become numb to sort of these sort of official officials' performances now. I'm just sort of like, oh well, they haven't missed like someone getting their head kicked off or anything. It, mm. She hasn't done that badly. Yeah, the bar is low. It is very low. Yeah, that's yeah. the sad bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Gareth Dunnan says, why is everything overanalyzed these days? Feel like a broken record. We lost a game in the championship. It will happen and happen again. Expectations of some are not realistic. Last four, one, two, lost one, drawn one. That's top 10 form. Always looking for a scapegoat. Uh, he's still very firmly in the positive camp. Ryan Chard said, what was with the uh, lull in atmosphere first 10 minutes in the second half was like a ghost stadium and just exaggerated that feeling of we're going to throw this, aren't we? Um, big li big little players off form equals big problems. I'm assuming he means Siopis, maybe. Uh, where for art thou right back uh, and subs becoming predictable? We haven't mentioned really the right back. I did see a lot of, um, you know, uh, Pelters directed at Marlon Romeo, uh, who, who replaced Perry and G. The bar is very high for right back so far this season. Tom, how do you think Romeo did? I thought he was probably one of our poorest players on the field, to be honest with you. And I think he has been a couple of times this season. I think he was, I say Mr. Dependable. He he was one of our better players in a poor squad, um, like last season. But I, I just, I think, like you said, it's a high bar with Perry MG. So he's got a lot to live up to, but he's just not up to that standard. I think it was a worry when I saw the lineup and I saw him in it. And I don't like to make a scapegoat. I, he wasn't horrendous, but like, I just don't have the confidence in him that I do in a Perry NG. And mm. I think that has a knock-on effect then to your whole back line. I think, you know, you've got to change how you play then because 
you know, you're covering different runs and, you know, because Parry NG isn't there to like mop up certain types of play and stuff. So I'm not completely convinced by him, but I, I that probably is biased massively by, you know, Parry's form this season. Yeah, it does feel like we've got a very strong uh, 11 and quite a few in a depth and up front, but we do lack massive depth at the back. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, that'll be something that... Um, that Bullet looks at because he clearly doesn't fancy Romeo. I think he was sort of forced to play him, really, especially after the Leicester stuff. He, d- he I don't think he's a fan. Um, so I don't know if we might be seeing a right back um, quite high up the priority list in January. Um, Giggsy says, Grant looks like a great player across the pitch, but uh, needs help finding that finishing touch. How long can we have that luxury in a front three? Let's give Adams, Reno or Sawyers a try when replacing Rawls. Um that had a massive effect across the team on Saturday. Um, also seen a few pelters at Ryan Wintle as well. Um, do you think maybe the likes of Ebo Adams or Rinomota or Sawyers should sort of have a have a look in, in front of Wintle, Ben? Not really. Um, I don't think any of them have really done much when they've come on this season. Sort of, you look at the action that how they played in sort of the League Cup and stuff. There's a reason they're not involved in the squad. They're just not at the same level as I think it's clear the set, if you're going to go for like a set three midfield, it's Ramsey, Siopis and Rawls, Wintles, sort of the tier below that. And then I think the other three boys sort of fall into the tier below that. Um, Adams has like looked all right when he's come on, but he's not someone, there's not going to be a time this season where I'm looking at a game and going, do you know what this needs? It needs Abu Adams. It needs Annie Rinomato. It needs Romain Sawyers. There's not going to be a time where I think that happens. I think that mm. sort of shows the issue with all three of those players. Um, they're there as cover, the squad players. Um, yeah. For me, if you check, if you're bringing off Riles, you're bringing on Ryan Wintle. I think it's it's not quite as good, but it's as good as you're going to get, sort of in the squad level of the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, we'll rattle through a few more. Um, or we're going to run out of time. James says, I think the lads had a massive brain fart in the second half and simply didn't adapt to the Norwich changes. So frustrating to lose, but also Grant scores his chance. We go 3-1 up and the game's dead. Matt says, uh, a side who are as big a mess as them shouldn't look better or more comfortable in possession than us on our own patch. Some of the hot potato football towards the end was very concerning. I'd like to see more technical players like Panzo, Renison come in after the break. Um, Blue Flyby says, uh, fair play to Norwich for noticing that Bowler, Bowler and Grant were destroying their fullbacks and for subbing both at halftime. Our wing play was ineffective in the second half. We had nowhere else to go and they then did us down our flanks. Subs killed us, but uh, was something but something was off before that. Uh, Matt CCFC 555 says, went wayward when Rawls, Robinson and Bowler went off. Warning signs were there beforehand, mind, and the goals felt inevitable. Sloppy goals to being unlike us in recent weeks. Romeo was targeted and was poor, but understandable as he hasn't played, uh, but need Perry back ASAP. Um, Tom Lang says, anyone who blames the ref for that loss or booed at full time need their head wobbling. Ref wasn't great, but neither were we. We played well for about 10 minutes on Saturday. Other than that, they played like a team under pressure. But we move on and bounce back against Preston. Uh, Oliver Reese said, awful second half. I think the one criticism you can make for us is that we don't manage some games well enough. We make it 3-1, it could have been 5 or 6. Bullet needs to know when to shut up shop or go for the jugular. And finally, Rodri says, will we ever have 
decent merchandise. Which brings us on to the latest offering from Carlos City, the Ibi range, um, in association with New Balance. Uh, a mixed reaction, I think is fair to say. Uh, I quite like it. I think it's um, it's a good start. It's something the club hasn't done for a long time. It's something the club should be doing. Um, but yeah, the the reaction, as as is always the case with football shirts, it 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 tears the fan base apart more than, than pretty much any other topic. Ben, where are you standing on it? Oh, I think it's dog shit. <laughs> I think it's awful. Um, I really like the idea and sort of like the collaboration. Uh, I thought it was a really cool idea. I was like really looking forward to seeing something unique and sort of cool coming into the club, something different that we've not done before. And I think it's a flashback to sort of what we've seen from the club in like the last couple of years of like a really good idea executed sort of like at the bare minimum. Um, it's not very good for an audio podcast, but behind me on my wall, I tweeted it out. There's a map of Cardiff uh, that my wife got from Etsy and put in a frame. Um, it feels like Cardiff got that PNG, went on Photoshop, turned it white, stuck it on a polo shirt, which I don't understand why it's a polo shirt why not do a pre-match top and sort of you look at like clubs like arsenal do like the sort of mm. bespoke training gear really really well you look at like the um transport for london sort of the the seat of the underground training kit kit they had last year they've done like notting hill once they've done really cool stuff like that like looks at the culture not just gone oh cardiff google maps screenshot um I think it's and then just slapped a, re, a random sort of like I I probably not the right audience first. I don't know who Ibby is. Mm. Um, it's just that for me. But from what I've seen, he's an Arsenal fan. I know he's done like the foundation stuff, and that's really good to see that the club is sort of pushing the foundation stuff through that. But oh, I just think it's really poorly executed. It's a really good idea, really really poorly executed. So not and the polish it's shit. Um, there we are. That's Ben, ben Price's verdict. Got, got everything off your chest there, Ben? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the um, great cuffs as well. What's that all about? <laughs> uh, Tom, I know you're a shirt aficionado. I often see your uh, post come in, um, <laughs> and it has been football shirts in the past, usually from Ukraine. Um, what do you make of it? <laughs> That's a massive you said that. I know exactly who you've bought that from on eBay. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, no. yeah, bought from him as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, like you said, football shirt split opinion. But the problem is, it's not a football shirt. It's it, it's a polo shirt, um, and it's one of those types of fit where, unless you look like a boxer or a model or a football player, it's not going to look great as Jason Mohammed should. And I, I think. Like death for that block, and you? I, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't know why I said that. It's been nasty, actually. Um, but I think it, it does look like a bad dart shit. And I, I think, like, the problem is, I, I love the idea. Like, I love the idea of this collaboration. I think it's a great thing. But like, oh, there's so many other things you could do instead. I think as soon a map is not going to look good on a shirt, especially in that color scheme. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, when Arsenal have done it, for example, they've done like you know the the pattern from the tube seats. You know, you could do the Cardiff bus seats. You, you know, you could even drench it in piss, just so it's really authentic. I think there's plenty of other like things. year old chewing gum, like, on the arse. Exactly. So you're thinking now. But no, like, I think it's just, it's poorly executed. You know, like you said, it could be a warm-up shirt. It could be an alternate, like, shirt they could wear once or something like that. Um, 
look, it, it's a step in the right direction. They're trying something new. We've been we've been stuck with Identikit, you know, added our stuff for such a long time. I'm not going to begrudge the effort, but I think the execution was poor. But like you said, we, we might not be the audience, you know. There's a lot of younger fans who like this who'll be who'll be lapping it up. So let's see how they sell. And hopefully it's the first of many things as well. Hopefully it's not just a one-off thing. So if there's more to come, I'll give them a break for now. But I, I can assure you, you won't be seeing that package arrive outside my door. It'll, it'll be more merch from Ukraine for the time being. <laughs> um, I gotta say the the campaign looks great. To be fair, yeah. you know, it's, it's diverse. Um, it reflects the fan base uh, and the city a bit more um, than some of our other campaigns. So uh, yeah, that that's a big thumbs up from me. Um, I think. Oh no, one more thing on that as well is like you've seen Arsenal, for example, you know, do the stuff for the Jamaican community and do the warm up top. Mm. With a colour scheme of that. Problem is, like, if we do a nod to the Somalian population, their flag is blue and white. So you've just got another <laughs> home shirt. Yeah. So I can see why they've run out of years early on there. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a nod. It's, a, it's it's in the right direction. See, Let's see what comes. I've just yes. had it. A magic roundabout warm up shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dread to think what, what the, um, what the uh, campaign around that would be. Some I'm going to drop Willet to a sports a message. No. Yeah, some of the local, um, the local um, employees, maybe is that the right word? No, local entrepreneurs. I think is the other word. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They could model it. Um, we leave it at that. <laughs> right. Uh, we head off to the international break. Few uh, uh, Cardiff players in action. Uh, Colwell's gone with the twenty uh, ones. Um, Siopis is off with Greece. Renison is off with Iceland. I think Jamalou Collins is off with Nigeria as well. He'll be playing, uh, just been checking, uh, Lesotho and Zimbabwe. Uh, so nice Ooh. couple of fixtures for him. Rina um, has been called up for Zimbabwe, which is really random. Yes, someone else has as well. Uh, somewhere, obviously, they've got a full squad, but another football <laughs> league player has been, <laughs> been called up. I saw it the other day. Anyway. Um, I'll leave it at that. Breaking um, news from Ryan. That's good stuff. Uh, someone's been called up. Yeah. Um, you know, are we happy with where we are? You know, you spoke last week about uh, sort of the third way through the season or whatever the, the landmark was. Um, I think we've mentioned it already. I think we're all very happy where we are going into the international break. Tom, it's something I said to you the other day um, about... Um, not necessarily looking at the league table, but looking at your points. And I think we're very much in that territory where we're we're hanging around there and that's where we need to be uh, heading. You know, if we can get through Christmas in a similar position, I think we're all going to be happy, aren't we, uh, Ben? Yeah, I think look at the table. It's nice to see. It's nice just not have to scroll. I think we're still at the position, <laughs> if you go on to Fort Mob, please sponsor us. Um that you can still see us if you, you don't have to scroll for that. But it's not just the points, it's the goal scored. I think that's the huge, huge sort of bonus for me. Looking at it, 16 games, 25 goals scored. Mm. Like, what what were we, 30-something last year? I think yeah. like that's a huge encouragement to like turn around. Like I think it's something we can't forget how grim it was in front of goal last year. So just to see that, and if we keep on scoring at that rate, I think, like yeah, we're going to be top half. We're going to be sort of knocking on the door. And if... We can keep that coming to January. Um, as Henry Shaw likes to say, more to come. More to come, indeed. Um, Tom, international break. Uh, it's where uh, we come alive, really. You're off to Yerevan. I'm off to Yerevan. Um, how are you feeling about Wales and uh, the next two games? Are you confident? No. 
Um, just because I was confident about the Cardiff Norwich game, so I need to switch back to my old my old psyche of being miserable as fuck and expecting a three 0 drop in out in Yerevan. So you know, I'm excited for it. Like you know, I, I I love watching Cardiff. I love watching Wales, but like there's something about a week of football like this when it's in your own hands that you're on the brink of you know qualifying for a major tournament. There's nothing quite like it for a country of Wales' size. Um, so I, I'm absolutely buzzing for it, um, and you know, it, and it does help that you know Cardiff are in solid hands going into this break as well. So that's not completely miserable. I think what, what that, that comment you said to me about the uh, look at your points, not your position. I've peddled that out at least twenty times to other football mm-hmm. fans since you said that to me. I feel like that's really that really landed. Yeah. But you know, I, I think we're, we're scoring more goals and we've got more to give. We've got a manager who's not. Uh, you know, scared to make substitutions where we had a manager who didn't know what to, to do with and didn't change anything in the past. So, yeah, Cardiff are in a good place and hopefully Wales will be in a good place this time next week. Yeah, uh, many many an international break we've headed in uh, after losing a manager. So I think anything other than that is a bonus really at the moment for Cardiff. So uh, It is, uh, yeah. All... It's normally this time we sack yeah. them, isn't it? So... Yeah, either October or November international breaks tend to be the... Uh, the sacking so uh yeah and it's the last international break till march so you know we've got to really make sure that everyone is refreshed coming back into it because it's a big old stretch then isn't it of football especially over the christmas period um so fingers crossed all the lads who are going off on international duty uh get through unscathed and we'll be back then for what looks on paper to be um a terrible terrible run of fixtures (laughs) The, um, the fixture gods haven't been kind to us. Uh, we return from the international break with our good old friend Preston away, which is uh, more on that later, uh, which is never a happy hunting ground for us. They're currently fifth. Then it's West Brom home, a resurgent West Brom at home who is in seventh. And then Southampton away who are in fourth. Ben, um, <laughs> if we come out of that run with anything really more than three points, it feels like that's probably a good thing. Yeah, they're stinking, and they. I didn't actually look at it until you put them in there. Um, looking at that now, it's going. Oh, that's not that fun. Um, bizarrely, and that I never thought I'd say this with Preston away, but that looks like the most winnable game out of the lot at the moment. Mm, they're sort of true. mixed form, but our record there is horrific. So you never know how it's going to go. Um, West Brom at home. I still get flashbacks to when. It was that is the infamous Mick McCarthy five centre backs game. Oh, so whenever I think of West Brom at home, that will always be the memory of Aidan Flint, Sean Morrison, Kieran Brown, Curtis Nelson, and McGuinness, wasn't it? McGuinness, yeah, yeah. Um, grim, grim times. So it'll be better than that. At least we can guarantee that. Yeah, and then it's Russell Martin. And then that's the bloke that seems to have our number more than sort of I think any manager in the league. So. If we can go there and get something, I'll be I'll be a very very happy boy. Yeah, um, Cedric Keeper winner for West Brom. It's written in the stars. Oh, don't, That's... don't no, come on, no, Ryan. It's been a fairly positive podcast. It's yeah, been yeah, it's just how football works. Um, and I assume we won't be able to play Carl and Grant at that game either, because um, he'd be no. against his parent club. Um, Tom, you know you're a man of optimism. How optimistic are you looking at those next uh, run of games? I'm not sure if I am a man of optimism. I'm I'm a man of highs and lows and nothing <laughs> quite in between, I think. Mm. Um, it doesn't look great, does it? But they'll be looking at us in the same light. 
I think they they won't fancy playing us if we if we play like we've done in some of these games this season. Then we could beat all three. So mm. you know, Southampton, yes, it was earlier into their project, but you know they've been thumped by the likes of I think it was Sunderland and things like that. Preston, like you said, is mixed. And West Brom were at home. So still, you know, you've got to back yourself at home. Yeah. I think they're a team that will probably take it to us a little bit more than Norwich did as well, which might suit us. Yeah. So it, we could easily come out of that with seven or nine points. We could easily come out with zero. But that's the that's the great thing about the championship. And is that that is a championship block of fixtures at the moment. It's yeah. it's an exciting one. And it's it's good that we've got a chance going into any of those games. But you know, I'd I'd fancy us to get a couple of results for sure. Yeah, annoyingly, we haven't really had the results against good sides, but we have put performances in against Leicester, against Ipswich, against Leeds, yeah. you know, and then obviously we beat Sunderland. We have, we've shown that we're capable of going toe-to-toe with the big teams. Uh, annoyingly, we haven't really got the points to show for it. Um, so there's no reason why we shouldn't be, you know, scared about these games, is there? Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed we can we can get through it relatively unscathed. Um, because it is a little bit daunting. It does ease up slightly because I think it's Millwall and Birmingham after that who were obviously Millwall new manager. Birmingham seemed to be dropping like a stone under Rooney. Um, you would have thought that home as well. I know. <laughs> yeah. Shock. Um, right. Uh, to finish up tonight, um, uh, I do... A big shout out, Ben James, really. Um, I do enjoy your quizzes. I think you are under underappreciated. Oh, um, shit. Uh, I think I think they're really good quizzes, um, and I also want to take the opportunity to say, really sorry for my performance in in five aside the other week. I filled in, um, and I disgraced myself. Um, the standard was too high. I've only just returned from a, a lengthy injury, and I was out of my depth, Ben. So apologies, um, and if that's why you can't look me in the eye and come on this podcast and tell me, um, <laughs> it wasn't good enough. I know it wasn't good enough. So uh, there we are. But um, in the great tr- tradition of all. Uh, Oof, hello. In the great tradition of View from the Ninian um, and uh, the, the the final quiz, I'm going to bring over something we do regularly on Alternative Wales. Um, and for those who don't listen, uh, we're a podcast where we talk about uh, all things that do with Welsh football. We, uh, we're, we've just released um, our latest episode, which looks ahead to the international break. So if you want a bit of a uh, bit more international break talk, head over to Alternative Wales, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, get on board with that. But uh, we do a game where I pick a, uh, a game from Welsh football history, and uh, the the two guests I have on the podcast take it in turns to guess uh, who played in that team. So we'll do that today with a with a fixture from Cardiff's past, and I've gone from a very infamous fixture um, with our visit to Preston on the horizon. I've chosen that wonderful day uh, back in two thousand and nine where Preston beat us 6-0 uh, and pretty much cost us our place in the playoffs. Um, to be precise, the 18th of April, 2009. So how it will work, it's best of three. Uh, the Both uh, boys will take it in turns and have three goes at guessing who played. Uh, whoever is winning after three wins, if not, it goes to sudden death. It's as simple as that. Um, it's, it's starting 11 and if you go through all the way through the starting eleven, it then goes to subs. Um, so I've got a coin to toss. Oh, um, I'm disappointed. What? You've got, have... got a coin. Oh, I fucked the coin. I'll check. There you go. Um, what, what, what can... Are you so stupid? Come on. Keep just here, right? Um, 
What's this? There's a book next to me. One of my good friend's books. The first 90 days. Proven strategies for getting up to speed faster and smarter. There we are. Self-help book. I uh, think we could all do one of them. Um, Special the delivery last... to you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, kick a man while he's down, why don't you? Um, who won the last Vuz and Indian quiz? If any of you even keep in school, I don't know. Uh, Tom, probably. Tom, Tom tends to do better at these. Yeah, but because of that nasty comment, Tom said, Ben, you can choose whether you want the front of the book or the back of the book. Uh, I'll go back of the book. It's the front of the book, sorry. Ben. Um, Tom, would you like to go first or second? I'd like to go second, please. Oof, pressure's on, on Ben then. Uh, ben, uh, kick things off then. Who played, who started for Cardiff in Preston 6, Cardiff 0, 2009? What year was it? 2009? Yeah. So, Archer Ledley. Correct. Oof. Tom. Uh, Steve McPhail. Correct. Ben. Roger Johnson. Oh, Correct. Busted. Tom. Um, Whittingham. Correct. Fair play. This is going much better than any of them do on my podcast. Um, ben. Kev McNaughton. Correct. Tom, you've got to get this. You've got to get this. Ross McCormack. Correct. This is good, boys. This is really... This is how I envisage the game, rather than disgraceful <laughs> you see on my podcast. Ben. Sudden uh, death. Jay Bothroyd. Correct. Oh, Christ. And that is me out now, I think. Look. <laughs> uh, oh. Gabo Capage. What a shout. Well done, Tom. So you've had eight players. I will recap what you've had. You've had McNaughton, Gapesh, Roger Johnson, Whittingham, Ledley, McPhail, McCormack and Bothroyd. And I've given you McNaughton, I think. No, I no, 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 you said that. You, you said did? That. Yeah. I'm going to go. Okay, never mind. Ignore me. Who's left back? Uh, oh, what's his name? I know that's, that's the game. Yeah, that is, is the game. Shit. I'm glad I'm understanding this now. Ah, oh, Kennedy. Yes. Great oh, shout. Fuck. Oh, Tom, this is this is how the game should... This is a great advert for the game. <laughs> Love it. Oh, oh, we had a weird keeper. <laughs> oh, is he going to... See, I've not touched that's the keeper. such a risky move. That was so bad for keepers. Oh, wait a minute. It won't be him. Taylor. That is a superb shout, Tom. Well done. <laughs> right, Ben, you've got... This is this is untouched territory for this game. You've got to name the last player on that team sheet before Tom then has to move on to uh, subs. So oh. if you can get that man... You you were in a good shout. Otherwise, Tom can clean it up. Who's the last man on that team sheet? Is it Eddie Johnson? Oh, no, I think he was sub. Ah, no. So Tom, who's the last man to win it? Otherwise, you get another. We keep going because it's sudden death. You will both miss. Oh, who have we, who haven't we had? Who have we had? Fuck, I know. Am I allowed? To... 
We've had Taylor, McNaughton, Japesh, Johnson, Kennedy, Whittingham, McPhail, Ledley, McCormack, Bothroyd. Gavin Ray. Fuck! Unbelievable. Well done. Well done, Tom. That's my pomp. That is amazing. <laughs> Fair play. We got all 11 there. Yeah, Eddie Johnson came on on 76 minutes for Bothroyd. Chopra came on for Whittingham on 46 minutes. And uh, your friend of mine, Miguel Cominguez, came on oh, at 65 have, minutes. No, I never got that. that. Mark Kennedy. <laughs> no. Tom Eaton and Darren Purse are new subs. Keith Stroud, referee. Um, and uh, six goal scorers. Anyone go on the goal scorers for Preston that day? Parking score. Parking, Parking score, yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil Mellor scored twice. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Kennedy on goal. Uh, Brown and Williamson. Dark day. And- but, um... I, ne- I nearly said Chopra in that as well, like as well, like second guess. Yeah, and it, just I... hit, it hit me as like, no, I don't think he was playing. Keaton was the one I was going to go for for keeper. Oh, I don't know where. I, don't know, I, I yeah. completely forgot he played for us until I saw that when I picked the I, game out earlier. I've got a feeling for some weird reason that I watched it the other day. Like in some sort. No, 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 no. If, if I, if you could pass me that book you picked up earlier on, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> drop it round. Yeah, I'll drop it round now. Um, well, there we are, uh, Ben. That's how you do a, a quiz to close it out. Do you see how engaged they were in that? You can have that if you want, boys. I'll let you have that. It's just nice not to be asked what one player's nan did. Yeah. Like <laughs> Instead of doing line of and stats from that game, how much possession did Cardiff have? <laughs> quite a lot because they were constantly picking the ball up the net. Yeah, yeah true true <laughs> right um i think that rounds off uh view from the ninian what does ben usually do at this point um he hasn't reminded everyone to vote for view from the ninian if at the uh the fca's fca's oh, it's, football it's, content it's, awards it's because you uh, can't anymore it closed you it can't closed. anymore it closed yeah, it <laughs> well boys best of luck i'm rooting for you um on uh, thursday Ben, uh, Tom, you're not going because you're going to be on your way to Yerevan. Ben, have you got an acceptance speech lined up? Uh, or... I'm just going to punch Thogden in the head. Punch like, Thogden in the head. I'm just yeah. going to lash out at Thogden because he's a filthy Tory prick. Like, Great. genuinely, net for net, like, there's a few YouTubers there, like hitc 7 is going, as Platten's going, looking forward to having, having, like, saying hello to them, meeting them. I think if Thogden does come near me, I am going to trip him up. I so think we, we leave it there. Yeah. That is, uh... <laughs> Yeah, some serious beef. Um, do you have a Kofi co- anymore? Coffee, whatever he calls. You know, for the love, not the money. That's what Ben used, uh, used to say. Yeah, he calls it Kofi, but it is coffee because it's buy yeah. us a coffee. So yeah, buy us a Kofi, yeah. buy us a coffee. Uh, yeah. Kofi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Yeah. Uh, Twitter.com yeah. forward slash VFT Ninian. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I just copy and paste what Ben tweets about the podcast being out on there. So if you want to see that, go there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope I've done a sterling job at hosting the podcast, boys. Um, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to do this. Um, you know, one of my favourite podcasts to listen to. So, Ben James, if you're listening, I hope I've done you justice, um, and I'm sure I won't be coming for your job anytime soon. Um, and also, if anyone has any jobs out there, I could really do one at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> uh, let me know. Uh, let me know. Uh, all the best. Uh, thanks for listening. Go well. And uh, let's hope uh, when we're back, when Vuvan and Indian is back, Wales are in a major tournament um, and we beat Preston. So, yeah, there we are.
Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.